0: Well, uh, may God be glorified. May we leave here walking more with Christ, walking with the Spirit. That is my prayer for today. Uh, We're in a sermon series called Only Jesus. We've been looking at the book of Galatians. If you've been with us for the past several weeks, we have been kind of working our way through that. And now we're in chapter five. We started that last week. Here in chapter five, Paul is kind of teasing out some stuff that he's been. Talking about already, and that has to do with our freedom, the freedom we have in Christ. It started back in chapter two when he said, The whole reason why we have this book, the whole reason why I'm reading to you is because people have been trying to spy on our freedom and they're trying to put you back in slavery, so don't go there. Right? That was in chapter two. In chapter four, he was saying, Remember, If you're in Christ, you were born to the free woman that was Sarah, not the slave, Hagar. So you have been freed uh, through that. And now here in chapter 5, he starts the chapter by saying that we have freedom in Christ. So what does that mean? Here in the United States with our culture, freedom probably means a little bit. If you hear it, uh, you think, I can do whatever I want. I'm free to do whatever I want. And so when we, if we take that and put that into the Bible, that can get really messy, right? Hey, I'm a Christian. I'm free. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. That's not what Paul's talking about, okay? There's a whole different kind of freedom that he has in mind here that we're going to get to. But really what he's talking about and what we're going to be studying is how do we grow? So now that, we, great, that we've been set free, God has given us freedom, but how do we grow in that freedom? How do we grow in Christ? We're going to be talking about the spiritual fruit today, right? That's a popular verse. Um, some of, several of you love that verse. You love the whole love, joy, peace, patience kind of thing. And, and how, do, how do we grow that in our life? That's what we'll be kind of talking about. And that's what Paul is getting at. But if you have asked other people that question, how do we grow? How do I stop sinning? How do I love Jesus more? You probably have had a variety of answers over the years a lot of times they have to do with these two words, stop or more, right? Stop. you got to stop doing these things. you got to stop sinning. you got to stop these bad influences. Stop letting culture get, you know, in your mind, right? we got to stop watching th- those things on TV. Stop listening to those things. Stop reading those things, right? There's a whole avenue of people that say, if you want to be holy, you got to stop doing these. I grew up uh, kind of in the 80s, and I never got to experience this, but I heard people talk about it all the time as about those bonfires of like records and tapes and all that. Remember that? These churches would hold these, you know, we're going to burn the records. Because they looked at our, their youth and they said, oh, you know, they're not producing the fruit of the spirit. Probably because they're listening to too much like Abba and Elton John, Bee Gees and uh, Beatles, you know. So we're going to burn the records, you know. Um, I never got to experience that, but I did, I remember talking to someone who was like, yeah, I did that, I brought all my records, I, I burned them all, and three months later, I went and bought them all again. He <laughs> was like, uh, not only did I, it not work, I made those people more rich um, by doing that. So, yeah, but you know what I mean, that, there's some people that say, you got to stop doing these things. I don't know if that works. On the other side, it's like more you do more of these things right if you want to grow you got to do more you got to come to church more read your bible more uh, more accountability more scripture memory i mean all these things and, and that's good certainly good and that's what we advocate right i mean there's a lot in there but but is that really how spiritual life gr- happens for some of you you've tried that you've tried reading your bible you know and you, you still you're like still struggling you still struggle with sin and you're like well I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm doing the right thing, but I'm not. Maybe it's not the right version, right? Maybe I got to go like King James Version. Maybe that will work. Or, um, you know, I'm coming to church, but only you know on Sundays. Maybe I got to come you know another night of the week. Or what have we got to do more? And so, I wonder if that is is that the answer. I think Paul would have a different uh, different answer to you. If you were to ask him, how do I grow? How do I, how do I grow in my faith? How do I stop sinning? How do I have more spiritual fruit? I think his answer would be something more along the lines of having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Now that A relationship with the Holy Spirit, that's new for some of you. When we talked about having a relationship with God the Father, right? That makes sense. He's our Father. We have this relationship. That's, we've talked about that. We talk about having a relationship with Jesus, right? I mean, that's, that's good. I have a personal relationship with Jesus. But have you ever thought or considered, like, a relationship with the Holy Spirit? For some of us, we really haven't maybe thought about that much because, I mean, it's a spirit. Like, how do you have a relationship with the Spirit? But Paul is saying that you, the Spirit is in you. The Spirit is there leading you and guiding you. How do you not have a relationship with someone who is there to lead you and talk with you, speak with you, and guide you, right? I think that is what Paul is getting at because this whole chapter is centered around the Spirit, the the Spirit's work, and he's saying that he has called us to freedom, right? We have freedom to be in a relationship with the Holy Spirit. If if Paul is saying that you have been called into freedom, that means that at one time, that you were not free. You were trapped. You were imprisoned. But What he's saying is, when you became a follower of Christ, the Spirit came in and bust open those doors. He opened those prison doors. He took off the chains and led you out of the darkness and into the light. And the Spirit that started that work is still in your life. He's still leading you. You have this freedom to walk with the Holy Spirit, to have a relationship with God. And if that doesn't remind you of something, it should. Go back to the Garden of Eden. Remember, Adam and Eve, what did they do? They walked with God. They walked with him. But when they sinned and then they were removed from the garden, they did not have that ability to walk with God anymore. But Paul is saying, you have been freed. You have been brought back into a relationship to walk with God, to walk with the Holy Spirit. He has set us free. And so when we look at this question, how do we bear fruit? How do we grow? How do we stop sinning? It all has to do with walking with the Spirit. So for those of you who are in Christ, you are free to walk with the Spirit. We're going to talk about some more living by faith, serving one another, crucifying the flesh, that all of these things come together. And that's what builds transformation in our life that changes our life and fruit grows. So today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about what he has freed us from, what we are freed and brought into. And then we'll talk about how we're transformed, that fruit of the spirit. So that's what we'll do today. All right. So first... Jesus has freed us from the bondage. He's freed us from our prisons that we were in. Okay? I have a graphic up here. And uh, something I just put together this week. I hope it kind of helps. Um, just as uh, visual aids always help, right? Um, but, but what you have here, you have these four little um, phrases, right? Follow your desire. Work for righteousness. Mistreat others. Gratify the flesh. All of those things describe uh, being in prison. It describes our life before Christ, all right, how we lived, right? So I'm going to kind of walk through those things. We'll kind of take each one of them, but these are the things that we have been saved from, okay? So first one, you are free from trying to follow your desires. Look at Galatians chapter 5 verse 17. I'll be kind of moving around the chapter today, so if you have your Bible, you'll be kind of looking around. It'll all be in Galatians 5, but Um, different places but look at 17 it says for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh they're in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you want right here's here's what paul is saying that if you and all of us do we struggle with this like living in holiness and living in the flesh right? Uh, the flesh is, you know, the, our sinful heart. It's, it's um, you know, how we, um, how we live, you know, before Christ. It's all these things. And we, we all struggle with this, right? And Paul says it's, it's true. It's, it's, it's a matter of fact. We all struggle with this. We have the sinful nature within us, and we have the spirit, and they're at conflict. And so he explains, here's what's going on. you these two natures are at war with each other. So it's, don't, don't be alarmed if you're still struggling. How do I live in the flesh or how do I live in the spirit? It, it's natural. So here's what happens. Before Christ, you lived your whole life, however many years that was, different for all of us. But you lived your whole life with your flesh in control. Your flesh is on the throne. He's doing whatever he wants. He's following his desires, her desires. But when you come to Christ, the spirit moves in. And the Spirit says, flesh, you're off. You're off. You're no longer on that throne. That, that throne belongs to Jesus Christ. And the flesh is, while we'd love for it to be completely removed, it's not. It's just removed off the throne, but it's still there. We still have this flesh battling within us. And so it's this conflict between the flesh and the Spirit, fighting back and forth. And there are some times where you are going to do great, you're going to, like, Holy, listen to the Spirit and walk with the Spirit and you're going to do great. But there's other times where you're going to fall. And you're going to hear those words from the Spirit and you're going to believe those. We call that sin. And these things are going to happen. But as we mature in Christ, we are listening less and less to the flesh, but in having him, giving him less and less control and giving more over to the Spirit. Because that's what we call sanctification. We're maturing in our faith. So we have been freed from being the person we can just uh, do whatever we want to following Christ. And for some of you, that doesn't sound like freedom. But remember, this is walking with God, the one who loves us and who cares for us. And so how do we respond? When you do fail, when you're a Christian and you do fall and you fail and you sin, is that the end? See, some of us would say, oh, God doesn't, I can't do it. I never can do things right. God must be so disappointed. He must be so discouraged. He probably has nothing to do with me. But that's that's what the flesh tells you. That's the lies. Instead, hear the words of the Spirit saying, that's not who you are. You are a child of God. You are a child of the King. Come on, get up. Let's start walking together. Come on, follow me. It's okay, come on. God loves you. Keep moving. Keep walking with that spirit. All right, so you've been freed from that. What else have you been freed from? Go to the bottom quadrant, if you remember that. It says you are free from needing to mistreat people for your own advantage. All right? When we, before Christ, our flesh, we don't care about others. We only care about ourselves. So we will mistreat people to our advantage. In verse 15 and in 26, but verse 15, it says, if you Bite and devour each other. Watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. It's in the world, the flesh. It bites. It destroys. It tears down one another. I mean, do we see that in our world? Do we see that in our lives? If we are the king, if we're the ones that it's it's all about me, then we will learn to mistreat people for our own advantage. All right, we learn things like slander. We learn things like gossip to knock people down. We learn other things, how to take advantage of people, how to use people, how to manipulate others. And all these kinds of things, these are tools we learn. And it, it maybe looks nice like flattery, for example. Flattery's one. Oh, it's a, you know, you, you, you build people up, but really you're doing that for your own reasons, right? Because you're the king and you want people to like you. So we use these tools either to push them down or to build them up but so that they will like us and they will, you know, give us what we need. But we're freed from that. We're freed from just following our own desires. We're freed from mistreating people. We don't live that way anymore. We don't live with revenge in mind and things like that. You've been freed from that. Okay, so freed from following our own desires, freed from mistreating people. What else? Three, freed from working for your own righteousness. All right, verse 18 says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. You are under that no longer. Hey, Paul has used a lot of words already in Galatians talking about this. But he's saying that we have, man, this is what we when we don't understand the gospel, we keep working for God's favor. We keep working for salvation. And we work hard. And we do so many good things. Because that will bring God's attention. But he said, you don't have to do that. You've been freed from that. Don't work for that. Because why? You cannot do it. You cannot work hard enough, be good enough, be perfect enough. For, that, for God to say, oh, there they're perfect. Here's the deal. There's one perfect person, and who is that? It's Jesus Christ. And if you have Jesus Christ in your life, then you, he's, you're in His perfection. You're in His righteousness. So you don't have to work for that any longer. You've been freed from trying to do that. The last thing, the fourth thing that you're freed from, is you're freed from gratifying the flesh. How do we how do we know if someone's walking in the flesh or in the Spirit? By the fruit in their lives. And we've heard of the fruit of the Spirit, but here Paul talks about the fruit of the flesh. So he says, here's, here's the fruit of the flesh, and it's, it's not this all-inclusive list. There's tons more. But he says the, the, the works of the, the flesh, the fruit of the flesh is obvious, right? Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery idolatry, and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish, ambition, dissensions, fractions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is the the fruits of the flesh. This describes those, uh, even our culture, right? I think it really does. It 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 describes those who are in the darkness and what Satan is trying to build and and get at. This is, if he could have, if he was in charge of the world, this is what it'd be. And this is the the fruit of the flesh that we see around us. He says, but you've been freed from that. Those things should not mark your life. They should not describe you. You should not be walking in those ways. So what are they? Like, break down into four things. Um, Unhealthy sexual practices. Okay, so, I mean, that's obvious, right? Sexual immorality and debauchery and all this. I, I would define this as anything outside of a, a, a sexual relationship with a husband and a wife. Pretty much everything out, any, you know, all the different combinations, that's what he's talking about. He says, those things are not to define you. But, man, that, that defines our culture, right? Oh, man, it's all around. You hear it all the time. Um, even just like pornography for instance like that is destructive and it's not just for the young generation I mean let's be honest it's for all generations right it's it's been a part of all of the generations but it is destroying people I heard uh, it was a podcast this week talking about that and it was just saying that pornography is the number one teacher of our culture of how to treat people I mean it really is it's so many people are addicted to this, watching this, and they're taking their cues from this. And they said, out of awe, you know, I don't know how they rate this, but they said the most popular pornography is, is the abusive, degrading, um, destructive nature of it. And really, if you look at it that way, it's like the, the power and the, the destruction that's coming through that, that is training up the generations, is terrible. That defines the flesh. It should not define those who are in Christ. He talks about another one, false religion and devotion, right? Idolatry, witchcraft. Uh, You know, we tend to think when we look at our culture like, oh, our culture is not religious. But our culture is deeply religious, right? Just who do they worship? It's been said that you can identify the idols by um, those things. When they're taken from your life, they lead you to depression, anxiety and even suicide and what are the three words that describe so much of our culture depression anxiety and suicide and I know there's a lot that goes into this right there's a whole lot um, of stuff of mental health and all that but a part of it like we have built into our lives like these this this place of worship we have built these idols and when those idols are taken away oh it hurts so bad we, 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 we've been freed from that because you've been loved in Christ. You are loved in Him. You are His wonderful, beautiful child. So for us, we've been freed from this need for, uh, for idolatry and uh, witchcraft, like horoscopes and things like that. They do not define who we are. We've also been freed from these broken relationships. Look at these words. Hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish, ambition, dissensions, fractions, envy. Those are strong words. Those are strong, powerful emotions. It says that's the fruit of the flesh. But for those who are in Christ, you've been freed. No longer do you have to hate. No longer do you have to separate and build walls and divisions. There's unity and peace for those who are in Christ. And last is the indulgent behavior. Just the drunkenness orgies, right? There's no restraint. No be- being able to turn it off or, you know, all that. It just, it just goes. There's, it just floods our life. That's the fruit. Of the flesh. And I think we see that in our culture. It should be obvious. The problem is when those things are in the church or in our lives, when we live in these things. But here's what he said. He gave this warning in verse 21. Remember that? He says, Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's that kingdom of God language again. He says, If you live in that, all right, if your life is defined by those things, that you have to seriously wonder and question, are you in the kingdom of God? Now, I'm not, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying sometimes we fall, and this is where we fall, right? We have this moment of anger or rage, right? Uh, you're still a follower of Jesus, but you're still working out your sanctification. That's not what he means. It's when we fall into that and we come out. But it's when we live there. Right when that defines us in our lifestyle, when that's our fruit, you have—it's a strong warning that you may not be in the kingdom of God. You may not have that salvation because that's not the way we live. That's not the fruit that grows. So, those are the things when he says you've been freed—that you've been freed from that trying to follow your own desires, working out your salvation, mistreating others, and and gratifying the flesh. Right. You've been freed from that. Now, what have you been freed to? Right? What has the freedom given you? You've been called into freedom. Right? Away from bondage, into freedom. So what does this look like? We have a new slide here, um, and it has all the parts before, plus there's an internal part. So inside, that's our living in freedom. That's living in Christ. Okay? Okay. Look at these things. We've been freed for these things. One, to be led to walk with the Spirit. Right? He has led us out of prison. He is leading us through life. Part of our, if, if we're going to grow in Christ, we need to pay attention to the Spirit. We need to be led by Him. We walk with Him. Four times in this chapter, it talks about being led with the Spirit. Right? In verse 16, He says, I, I say to you, walk by the Spirit. Okay, in verse 18, he says, but you are led by the Spirit. And in verse 25, we live by the Spirit. And finally, he says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. That's all, a lot, right? Two of them active, two of them passive. Being walk with the Spirit and staying in step with the Spirit is our active. But the, the passive, right? We, we're being led by the Spirit and we live in the Spirit. Both of those together. Part of that's just the reality. We live in the Spirit, right? We're being led by Him. But we have to actively participate. We've got to pay attention. We've got to walk with the Spirit. We've got to stay in step with the Spirit. Anybody been in marching band? (laughs) You you learn how to stay in step. And at first, it's hard. You're always like, not even playing your music, you're just looking at the feet, you know? Um, Especially for me, I had a very hard time walking in step in marching band. But as you get better... It becomes more natural, right? But staying in step with the Spirit, and that's going to be so important for us. Here's a couple of things about walking with the Spirit. we got to walk with the Spirit continuously. Right? It's not just on Sundays. It's not just a little bit here or there. It's learning how to always walk with the Spirit daily. Right? I want, all of, for all of you, I want when your alarm goes off uh, on Monday morning, not to like, ugh, I'm going to work, but to say, Oh Spirit, let me walk with you. All right, I want to stay in step with you. I want to listen to you. I want to hear you. I want to. I want to just walk with you today. When I go to work, oh, now I gotta go. Now you can start that. But I want that first thought to be like I'm gonna walk with the Spirit. Any of you guys play sports, or you did play sports? This works with most sports. Maybe I don't know about golf. <laughs> That's maybe one that doesn't. But. Uh, uh, most sports, you have a coach that's there like kind of yelling at you, you know, throughout the game, right? And, and there's all kinds of voices when you're playing a game. You got your uh, the crowd is yelling at you. The other teammates are yelling at you. The other coach, maybe. But all, none of that matters. What matters is you listen. You have your ear tuned to who? Your coach. Because he sees the plan. He knows where it's all going, he or she. And they're going to tell you, here's what I want you to do. And for us, like listening to the Spirit. You're going to hear all kinds of noises. You're going to hear all kinds of people talking. But do you have your ear attuned to the Spirit? I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening. I hear you. I'm trying to follow you. So walking with the Spirit continuously. Um, two, walking with the Spirit to conquer the flesh. All right? I mean, that's, that's how we're going to find uh, uh, a change in our lives. It says if you walk with the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh because you can't do both. You can't do both. And there'll be times in life when you, you see someone you start to get jealous of them or envious. And, and as you're walking with the Spirit, the Spirit's going to say, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Don't, don't, don't get back at that person. Don't be mean. All right? That person needs Christ too. And your hearts are going to be changed. If you're walking with the Spirit, you're not going to gratify the desires of the flesh. I was thinking about this week. Like, I have, as I have grown more in walking with the Spirit more, I become a worse sports fan. Here's what I mean. When I was a great sports fan, oh, I hated Boston Red Sox. I hated the Yankees or the Redskins or the Eagles. Like I hated them. But as I've been walking with Christ, he doesn't let me hate them anymore. Right? These players I used to despise, and, and now I'm like, oh, but they need Jesus. Their mom loves them. I should too, you know. I gotta like pray for them. You know, I want them to do good—not too good, but just good enough. You know, ah, I ruined—it's ruined it for me, right? Um, that's how it's worked out in me, and just a little bit of way. I to, see how it works out with you? you, UCLA, USC people. You gotta work that out, you know. See where God, what He does with you. But walking well, with the Spirit, conquering the flesh. Um, walking with the Spirit also because the reality is that we're at war. We're fighting. We're at fighting. I I know you get up and the first thing you're not thinking of is like, what's the war? What's the battle today? But it is. Spiritually, there's a battle. That flesh is yelling at you, telling you lies and telling you all these terrible things and and you can't hear that. you got to put on the armor of God daily. Wear it. Are you wearing the armor of God? Are you equipping your mind and your brain, your heart, the armor of God does not go in the closet next to the dresses and the sports suits. It goes, it goes on daily. Walking with the Spirit continuously. The way to conquer the flesh. And because we're at war. So, been freed. Right? Freed to walk with the Spirit. Walk with God. Beautiful. What else? Free to serve others. Right? Instead of mistreating them, we get to serve them. We get to love them. Look at verse 13 and 14 of Galatians 5. It says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. We've been trained and we're really good at mistreating others. But as we walk with the Spirit, as we've been freed, we we can just show it by love, by loving one another, by serving one another, by caring for people. I hear it from time to time, like people saying, like, oh, the world just needs more love, more kindness, more respect. And I totally agree. I have, uh, this may not mean... Something for you, but for some of you, like I hear Elvis Costello in my mind, like saying what the world needs now is love, sweet love. I'm like, yes, it does. But you know, you know what? The world has it. And it's here. It's in the church. It's in those who are walking with the spirit that you are here to serve and love other people. And, man, the world needs it, and the answer is here. It's the church, people. We get to love. We get to love people. People that are different than us. People that think differently and talk differently. They vote different. They have all these different ideas. We get to love them. doesn't mean you agree with everything. That's not what it's about. It's about respect and love and kindness. Serving our neighbors. Church, hey, you're walking with the Spirit. If you're going to follow the Spirit, He's going to lead you to some difficult people. Okay, He's going to lead you to difficult people. And you have a choice to say, well, I'm not going to interact with that. They're different than me. They look different or whatever. Or you can say, all right, Spirit, you led me here. So what can I do? How can I serve? How can I love? How can I bring some goodness? Because, man, that's what we need. And that's where the Spirit will take you. Right? You're free to interact with some new people and to share that love, not the hatred or mistreat people, but to serve them. That's hard. That's where the Spirit will lead, though. Three, you have been freed to live by faith. Like Again, Paul has spent a lot of time talking about this already. right? But in verse 5 and 6, he says, For through the Spirit we eagerly await the faith, by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. We as Christians, we have been called not to work out our salvation, but to live by faith. And that is trusting the Lord. That's saying, Spirit, I don't know where you're going to lead me, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to stay in step with you. And wherever you lead, that's the right place. I, I, uh, I have a hard time looking at, at other people and judging. Like, <laughs> it's a, are you living by faith or are you living by foolishness? Right? Because sometimes I, like, looking at someone else, like, I, I can't tell. I can't tell if you're, like, living by faith or, you know, if, if it's by wisdom or whatever. Like, it's hard. Like, I don't know if that's the right thing. I, you're, you're taking your family and all that. I, but it's not for me to decide that. It's for me to work with the Spirit in my life how am I moving and living by faith? Because I don't like to. I like to move by what I can see and touch and and all that. But the Spirit, when we're following the Spirit, it's going to lead us to some new places and it's going to require faith. But that's the exciting place to be, guys. It's an exciting place to live by faith. Do you trust the Spirit? Will He take care of you? Will He lead you into the right place? It might be a difficult place. There will be some difficult places, but he won't abandon you. He'll be with you the whole time. Okay, so we've been freed to live by faith. The last one here, free to crucify the flesh. Oh, it may sound weird. That's that's a weird one, but look at verse 24. He says, Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. This is really important here, because this kind of brings it all together. Remember how I said at the beginning, where you know, before Christ, your spirit was king, and then when you came to Christ, the Holy Spirit came, said, get off the throne. Jesus is on the throne, but your spirit is still there fighting. What he tells us here is that you have crucified the flesh. All of that has been crucified. Now, what does that mean? Okay, there's a, a several things here, right? Um, one, it, it, when, when someone is... Um, a crucifixion was, was, was reserved for the worst offenders, right? It was for the worst. It was not for the respectable person who did something wrong, you know. It was for the most vile and, and like, worst people. That wise, that's why when Jesus was crucified, it was so shocking, right? This is for the worst of the worst, okay? So when, when we crucify our flesh, what we're saying is I, there's no pity for that flesh, all those things that the fruit of the flesh all of that that needs to die and i need to be serious about that right Uh, so that has to die when you when crucifixion starts it's the end is death okay um two that once crucifixion starts like it doesn't go back Uh, There were guards that would stand around when someone was being crucified. The the guards would stand there because people would have pity and sympathy for this person. They want to take them down. Right? So the guards would say, no, 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 you can't do that. they got to stay here. And sometimes we want to do that with our flesh. I'm like, "Ah, it wasn't so bad. There's good memories back in high school, you know, whatever. Um, No, there's no pity for that. We're not going back. But here's the last thing is that when crucifixion started, The end result would be death, but it would take a long time. It would take a long time. Sometimes people would be up on the cross for two two days or so. And that's the picture. That's what I want you to picture. The the, The flesh has been crucified. It is on the cross. So it went from the throne and the spirit said, no, you're getting crucified. But Jesus is getting on the throne. But that flesh is still alive, and it's still yelling. It's, it's crucified there, but it's still yelling at you. It's telling you all the things that you're doing wrong. It says, come and take me down. I have more fun than you'll ever have. Come on. Remember our good times. He's going to lie. And that's what we're hearing. That, those words in our minds. But that has been crucified. Let it die. And through your life, if you walk with the Spirit, you're going to hear more of the Spirit, and you're going to become more alive, and that is going to die until the day when we're glorified, when we reach heaven's gate, and then all of that's gone. No longer will the flesh be uh, attacking us. No longer will it, be, it will be dead, and we will be alive in our spirit completely. So those are the things. That's what we've been saved from, what we've been saved to. Now, the last part, just the spirit. Spirit is transforming our lives. The Spirit transforms our lives. Look at verses 22 to 23. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Those who are in the Spirit, these are the things that are growing in you. Love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there's no law. A couple of things here. Notice he says it's the fruit of the Spirit. Not the fruits of the Spirit, but the fruit. There's one fruit. This is all one fruit growing in our lives. If it said the fruits of the Spirit, then I would say, hey, I, I have the fruit of self-control. But I don't have the fruit of love. And I don't have the fruit of kindness. So don't expect me to do that. And someone else would say, well, yeah, I have the, the, the fruit of kindness. But don't expect me to be self-controlled and, and be good. Right? So that's not the situation. Right? It, is, it is one fruit. It's grown in us. And as we walk with, with the Spirit, these kinds of things develop. And, and remember, it's the fruit of the Spirit, not of the fruit of Ethan or David or Anne, Right? It's not the fruit of any of us. We don't control it. It's the Spirit who brings the stuff to life. Sometimes little by little, sometimes a lot. Sometimes you don't see it, but others do. And that's the beautiful thing with this fruit that it grows. How does it grow? Not by us saying, oh, I need more patience, you know. I need more kindness. I'm going to go after that. Uh, that's behavior modification. Um, and there's a place for reading that kind of stuff and trying to, you know, become more patient or a peaceful person, whatever. But our emphasis is not going after that fruit. The emphasis is you walk with the Spirit. You stay in step with the Spirit. You relate. And then as you do that, he will take care of this thing. And it will grow. And it will be beautiful. So we began by kind of asking, like, how do we grow? How do we grow in our faith? How do we leave sin? How do we move forward in our faith? walking with the Spirit, crucifying that flesh, serving each other, living by faith. Put those things together. That's where fruit grows. That's where transformation happens. We've got to be active with this. Got to be diligent, staying in step with the Spirit, keeping our eyes and our ears open for the Spirit. And as we do that, that's when we become like Christ, become more like Christ. Because who is Christ? Christ had all these things, all the fruit and more. And that's who the Spirit is making us look to, making us transform to look like Jesus. So I pray for you. That's what I want for our church. I want a church that's walking with the Spirit. Okay, A church that, it, that feels that freedom. Freedom from the darkness, a freedom to walk with God wherever he leads. Where I don't know where he's going to take you. I don't know where he's going to lead all of you. But if you are walking with the Spirit, you're in, you, you're in good company. He's going to take care of you. I want a church that we are walking with Jesus, that we are becoming more like Jesus through the Spirit's work in our life. I love to see Ambassador Church as having a reputation in the community of being people who are loving and joyful and peaceful and patient, people that are kind and good, reliable, trustworthy, self-controlled, wouldn't that be beautiful? And wouldn't that stand out in a culture that is selfish, sexually obsessed and uncontrolled, hostile, quarrelsome? Angry, divisive, building walls, jealous of each other, manipulative, insecure. Wouldn't that speak volumes if the church was that way in our communities? Showing that kind of difference? May the Lord bring that about.